Amen. So we're going to do things slightly differently this morning. Um, as I've said to many of you through this week, we're going to look at Acts 5, which is a really challenging passage, which I will read in just a moment. And, and Magdi is going to hopefully answer some of our questions on this. So it's great to have you here, Magdi. Thank you for joining. And we're looking forward to what you have to say. I'm always inspired whenever Magdi speaks to me about the Bible. Um, and though we might have questions on the Bible, and we can trust that what the Lord says uh, is true and that he can reveal himself to us through this. So we're going to come to Acts 5. And you'll remember that in Acts 4, we see uh, the beginnings of the persecution of the church. And we see uh, Peter and John um, come away from that first persecution. And they pray and there's this amazing prayer meeting where the Lord shakes the room. And from that, we see the apostles go out and continue to uh, continue to preach the word boldly and that the church together, as we heard last week, was a church that was generous, that was kind to each other, that looked out for each other um, and that we can apply that to ourselves in how we try and represent Jesus through the love that we show each other. And so we come to Acts 5 and from verses 1 to 11, and I'm going to read this now. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your hearts that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward and wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the, for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen. The feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Certainly a cha challenging story. So I wonder, Magdi, if you could just maybe bring what, some opening thoughts. What are your thoughts just generally about this passage? Be great to hear what you have to say. It would be great to hear what I have to <laughs> I would. <laughs> uh, it's definitely one of the most challenging uh, parts in, in the Book of Acts and uh, could be easily, most probably, misunderstood. Even when it's correctly understood, you have, you have the issue of we're so far away from this and, and, and this is really confusing. Uh, did, did God kill Ananias and Sapphira uh, in the New Testament after, you know, the Holy Spirit was poured out on us? Uh, why did he do that? Was that kind? You know, all of, all of those questions. Uh, so I think the first thing that we need to think of as we are approaching the Bible in general, and definitely as we are approaching uh, a passage like that, is that uh, I would suggest, uh, this is how I approach the Bible. I approach the Bible as 
God is the author of the truth that is in the Bible. And so I, I take the truth according to God's character, not according to how I think of it. And the first thing I would say about God's character when I'm reading is God is righteous. God is righteous. And he is good. And his mercies are on all his works. So when I'm looking at this, uh, in this day and age, in, 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 in Britain, in a time where, you know, political correctness and everything and everybody's so sensitive about everything, okay, I just want to think first, not from my culture, not even considering the culture of the time, which is very important, not from my culture, not from my understanding of things, not of how I value things and how I think of them, because I'm only finite. I think from the point of view of God. God is God and I am not. He is righteous and I am not. And he is infinite and I am finite. I think if you, if you, when you're approaching the Bible, you're, you're getting yourself on track first. That's always important. Uh, the second thing is this. I approach the Bible as the whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, okay, uh, is one thing and it's all uh, by the Lord. It's all the word of the Lord. And I look in the whole Bible about what God is doing and saying, I don't take uh, a separate incident and look at it. So if we can agree on that, then you look at chapter five and in my uh, uh, version, which is the ESV, or if you go to the New King James, it the chapter five starts with but, okay? And that word tells you, it's in the Greek as well, that word tells you that there is a comparison here. A comparison between the believers at the end of chapter four, how they were together, and that's again was repeated in chapter two, how they were together with one heart, one soul, and they wouldn't call anything their own. That's a question here, mark that. Okay, they wouldn't call anything their own, that it belongs to them. They put their name on it, okay? But they would share everything together. They would come and put the money or whatever at the feet of the apostles, and they would uh, uh, worship together, pray together, fellowship together, all of that. And in that environment, great signs and wonders were happening, okay? Then from that, he's saying, he's talking about uh, a person, Joseph, who's called as well Barnabas, okay? He had a field, he was a Cypriot or living in Cyprus, he was a Levite, he sold that and he put the money at the feet of the apostles. And then it says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession as well. And they kept back part of that. So the first thing I want to tell you about uh, this passage, this is not about tithe, 
Okay, I know some, sadly, some churches kind of use that about tithe, and if you don't bring the tithes, God will, you know. No, this is not about tithes. This was a free gift. That, was, that wasn't something that was asked for from the pulpit. That was, that was their decision, okay? It was everyone's decision, right? So all those who did that, they did that from their own heart, okay? They were giving from their own heart. It wasn't something that, and by the way, this is not communism as well, all right? This is so far away from Marxism, communism, whatever you'd look at. Here is what they've done. They decided to look to the people around them, their new society, the community of believers, in a certain way because it looked good. Okay? It looked good that like the others, because already others did that. I cannot be less than what they have done. I cannot look less than that. I cannot act, you know, not in a similar way. So people right and left and center are selling their possessions and coming and bringing the whole proceedings of that and putting it at the feet of the, uh, the apostles. I cannot come and say, well, you know, I sold the possession and uh, here is part of it. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to look less than the others. So what am I going to do? Uh, I'll say, well, here you go. We've sold our possession. Here is the whole money. Here is the whole proceeding from that. This is what they've done. And somehow that didn't sit well with God. It's not that it didn't sit well with Peter. It was, it was Peter alerted by the Holy Spirit who spoke, but that didn't sit well with God, okay? And, uh, and uh, God told Peter, well, uh, hmm, would you check on that, please? Okay? Now, here is where you need to think about the whole Bible, okay? Why, why would God judge sin why couldn't he just say uh, hey Ananias uh, I know what you've done that wasn't right uh, don't do that again who, who, would, who would do what God did if you are in, in the place of authority who would do what God did and who would do my suggestion Show of hands. Who do my uh, what God did? Show of hands. Well done. Okay. Who would do my suggestion? Yeah. Congratulations. You're kinder than God. But here is the thing. You're not as righteous as God. And you're not as wise as God. And as well, we are not caring for the rest of the people being in the kingdom of God, what, how God wants to show his kingdom to the others. You see, when we are thinking about what is kind, we have, because of, you know, how we live, because of where we are, uh, we, we have a certain definition about kindness. We have our views of kindness. 
And when we're reading the Bible, we put that on it. Okay? But here's the thing. The author of kindness is God. And, and he's the one who should actually bring the definition of kindness. The second thing is, is kindness balanced with justice and righteousness and what is good for those around you? So I'll leave that hanging a bit. I'll come back to it. In the whole Bible, we saw God judging people as even as individuals in different times. And they were very, very significant times. And I would say the reason this is a rare occurrence, and it happened at that time in the beginning of the establishment of the new tabernacle, the new church, the church, what God is doing, it's because it is, you would, if you're looking at the whole Bible, as I said, it is paralleled elsewhere. So if you think about, <clears throat> of course, in the beginning, the new creation, you have Adam and Eve, and Eve did uh, this choice and Adam did that with her because he was just next to her and he ate and everything and God said well guess what that's that's death creeping already you won't be able to stay in the garden of Eden and they were chucked out but that in the biblical language was death as well okay and and God told them there will be a way of salvation I'll make a way for I'll redeem you, but at the moment, you won't be able to even come near the tree of life. So you have that incident. Then you have uh, Aaron's sons. Do you remember that? The beginning of that new church again, coming out of Egypt, going through the wilderness for about three months, staying at the Mount of God. Uh, people say it's, a, you know, south of Sinai. And uh, they spent a year there. They built the tabernacle. Things are ready to, you know, start. They're kicking it in. The beginning of Leviticus. And Aaron has four children. Two of them were chosen, even in, in Exodus, to come with the elders. The 70 elders, do you remember that time? To come with the 70 elders on the Mount of God and to feast and prostrate before the Lord. And then on the day of them going to ministering in, in the tabernacle, that's I think uh, Leviticus 10, okay, they, they do something that is strange to us. The Bible coins it as they present a foreign fire, okay? On the face of it, they were just, they were just worshiping God. You know, they took their own uh, flasks or whatever, put coal, put incense, and they were just having having a time of praise, most probably, you know, worshiping God. And fire proceeded from the presence of God and consumed them. I think that's worse than Acts 5. Okay? And... These were people who were chosen to priesthood. They were chosen to, to, 
you know, to come after Aaron. They will be, one of them will be the high priest. And they were trying to uh, burn incense for the Lord and, and they died. You get after that, you know, uh, uh, even Moses himself. Moses did something wrong. He struck the, the, the rock instead of speaking to the rock as God instructed him. As well, he talked in the language of we. Will we get for you water out of this rock? And God said, uh, mm, uh, you're not getting into the land, the promised land. And then after a while, he said, well, you go on Mount Nebo and die. That's judgment. You get someone in Joshua called Achan. Because he took from Jericho what God said, don't take anything. Okay. And because of his sin, Israel fighting against AI, they, they lost in the first time. Okay. And he dies. Have you noticed that all of these things are in the beginning of a certain big chapter of becoming together the, the, the people of God? So the sons of Aaron, beginning the, the inauguration of the tabernacle and going in, uh, Moses getting nearer to uh, uh, the, the promised land, he loses it. Joshua entering the promised land, Achan in, in the beginning of it. You have as well, uh, uh, I think his name was uh, Uzzah, which means the... the her might or, or the might of God or whatever. Uh, in when when David wanted to bring the uh, the Ark of the Covenant to the city of God, okay, and he touched the Ark of the Covenant, and that always baffled me. I mean, the guy was he didn't want the Ark of the Covenant to fall. Why would God kill him? Okay, and he died on the spot. And then you get. Ananias and Sapphira in the beginning of uh, the inauguration of the church who are the people of God who are called to live as holy as you can around the presence of God. It is the thing. The whole chapter of Leviticus, God was showing this. It's very interesting. The ending of Exodus, they finished the tabernacle. And Moses, Moses, the man chosen by God, couldn't enter the tabernacle. And the whole Leviticus, the whole book of Leviticus is showing people how to exist around the presence of God. How to. God made a way. He chose to be in our midst. He chose to make access to us. But there are protocols. Here is something for us. We take God's presence for granted. We get used to God because of his kindness, because of how merciful he is. And without noticing, because we get so used to his mercy every day, you know, I, I do, I do uh, uh, sins and then I stay in them. Like I stay today and tomorrow and after tomorrow and it, it was happening since last week. And, and I just find that God is still gracious and, and kind to me. 
And, and then I start taking God for granted. Start getting used to his mercy. I start patting myself on the shoulder and say, well, it's okay. God understands and, and, uh, and he's merciful. Okay. And God sees this as a very dangerous thing. Not just to me, but for all of us. And he would start showing me that, no, it doesn't really work like that. But when he's showing it to the whole church, in the beginning of Acts, that is what has happened. Dan. Yeah, thank you. That's a really good picture of, uh, of I guess, the judgments that we see throughout the Bible. Um, so we've got some specific questions that would be really helpful to have your thoughts on. Um, and, and the first one, I think you've touched on it, but maybe just to be specific, why, why doesn't all sin lead to this kind of instant death? What is it that's specific and special about this? this uh, I'm not sure that it's just about this sin. Uh, that's personally. I think one good study that you can uh, go on uh, is to study all those instances that I mentioned. Uh, one of them, for example, uh, Dan and I were talking about a passage that God has been laying on his heart for quite some time, uh, and <clears throat> it's Numbers 13 and 14. Is that right, Dan? Uh, and in that, uh, you will find, I think in Numbers 14, you will find God saying uh, that, okay, so the, the people of Israel, the people that he... Uh, redeemed them from Egypt, the people that he talked about them, and he said, Israel is my firstborn, uh, uh, you let my people go, let my son go to worship me, uh, and showed his power, signs and wonders, all of that, okay? And they came out, and, and they, they kept rebelling and complaining and grumbling against the Lord. And now they are grumbling against the Lord, but in the sense of they are against Moses and Moses and Aaron, okay? And God said, till when they will keep disrespecting me, okay? I think God is trying to keep us from disrespecting him. Look at this. This is what happened with the people and they didn't get into the promised land, okay? Uh, the, the fire that, the foreign fire that uh, the sons of Aaron uh, uh, presented Nadab and uh, Abihu, okay, was disrespect to the Lord. Okay, one of the commentaries, if you look at, at the whole of uh, like chapter uh, 10 and so on, you'll find that they, they might have been drunk, but as well that they didn't do things in the order of God, they didn't wait to the right time and to do their role according to how God prescribed. They just thought we can do everything. You know, it doesn't really matter. We run the show. Uh, you look at uh, uh, Uzzah, he, he touched, it, it looks very kind. He touched the Ark of the Covenant so it won't fall. Well, where, where were you when, when you when you knew that the Ark of the Covenant shouldn't be on a cart? It should be carried by people. That's the law, and this is how it should be brought up to uh, the city of God. Okay? Now, one of the things is, as well as I was a part of the family who hosted the Ark of the Covenant for a long time. Okay? 
So sometimes, because you hosted God's presence for a long time and he blessed you, okay, and didn't kill you, you know, you get used to it. What God is saying in front of the people, if we are doing things in front of the whole people that is disrespectful to God, and that would put uh, a stumbling block. People would learn from that and will keep doing this. God would, in his mercy, at least once say, well, it's not really like that. I hope you don't do that again. The reason God doesn't do that with every sin, because actually no one would survive. So this is not, don't think that you are better than Ananias and Sapphira. The reality is, if, if, if we were in the first church, if we were in the book of Acts, I can assure you that I would have beaten Ananias and Sapphira to the queue. I, I would have been, my name would have been there. I'm not sure about Susie. I don't think Susie would have died because Susie wouldn't, wouldn't have accepted, you know, my deal. But uh, I, I tell you, I'm, I would have died instead of Ananias and before him, definitely. Yeah. Uh, that, thank you. That's really helpful. And, and it kind of you touching on one of the other questions, which was what is the story trying to tell us about trying to deceive the Holy Spirit? It, essentially, it's uh, the idea that the Lord is actually trying to protect the rest of the church from something that, um, that will lead to their ultimate destruction and the church's ultimate destruction. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. And there is another point in that. So Peter is saying, do you think you lied to us? You lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, what is he trying to say about that? Do you think your relationship, your sacrifice, your offering, your love, your worship, is just in the corporate setting. How do I look when I am amongst you? Okay, do I lift my hand? Yeah. Okay, or do I look uh, really, or do I speak in a certain way? Have you noticed how we do when when we are on the stage or when we are, you know, in a Christian conversation? We talk in a certain way. Okay, we have to sound excited, so we talk like this. Yeah. Have you noticed that we all we all have that peer pressure, and we we have uh, what is called the monkey gene. We we I I would see Dan talking in a certain way, and I would just say, well, this is this is uh, how I should sound if I'm if I'm a leader. Then I would talk like him. I would try and look like him. I would try and do the same things. Okay, there is a good thing about that. There is a bad thing about that. But what? What that passage is telling us, your relationship is not with us. It's not with the leaders, it's not with the people. You didn't lie to us. You wanted to look good, acceptable. You didn't want to look less than anyone else. Here's the thing, this, is, this worship is not about us. It's about God. You see, that's, that's a very important thing. Yeah, that's good. And, and I guess kind of linked to that is where is the place now for kind of communal judgment or calling people out in, on sin, uh, as Peter did here? What, where's the link there with the role that I guess we're called to play in, in somewhere like Matthew 18 um, compared to this? What, what's the difference, would you say? Uh, okay. Just to, to draw your attention that when 
people, uh, when uh, Peter uh, confronted Ananias, okay, he didn't know that he's going to die. Okay, he knew that Sapphira would die just because Ananias died and they are one and all of that. Okay, but he didn't know, he didn't tell him, Oh, you lied to the Holy Spirit, so you will die now. No, no, he just soaked, you know, Ananias fell and, and died. Okay, uh, so number one, when you are confronting sin. Just remember, we're, we're looking at the whole Bible, yes? And in, in, in Galatians uh, 6, Paul is writing that uh, uh, when you're thinking about someone's sin, just remember that uh, the only thing is he got in line in the queue before of you. That's, that's the only thing, okay? Like, think about yourself because you can be next. Okay, so this is why when you're approaching something like that, do it in kindness and in mercy, and it's not it's not your right to uh, uh, speak judgment. I mean, if you're going to speak judgment because you would say God told me that, you would have to be really, really accurate on that. I would I would hate to see what will happen if you're not accurate on that. Okay. Uh, so uh, that's one. Number two is Peter in this in this uh, part represents the high priest. The high priest uh, had the had the the responsibility to accept and not accept sacrifices. You remember that. So when someone is bringing a sacrifice. Okay, that's again, because we're looking at the whole Bible as a unit. So when someone is bringing a sacrifice, and it's a sacrifice to the Lord, the high priest, though this is his bread and butter, okay, remember that. The high priest and the priests, the sacrifices are their food. Like, this is what they're going to eat. All right? Only one sacrifice that they don't touch at all. This is what they're going to eat. All right? They would stand and, and judge whether this is a sacrifice that was made wholeheartedly to God or not. And God, in order to give them that kind of, okay, and they cannot see your heart, what they do is they look at certain, uh, you know, uh, how, how, how the sacrifice is presented. It is a one-year-old, unblemished, without any mark, without, okay? So Peter, most probably, as, as the money was presented, God was kind of whispering in his heart, saying, well, this is not a good sacrifice. This is not an acceptable sacrifice. And maybe I'm, I'm imagining with you now, maybe Peter is saying, well, Lord, what do I do? So just ask him if this, is, if this is the whole price. I didn't, Lord, ask for the sacrifice. I didn't ask for the whole price. He's the one who, yeah, yeah, just ask him. So he went, hey, Ananias, was that, was that the whole price? Okay, so our relationship is with him. And if you're doing that, remember that you are trying to do that in approaching people to God and in helping people to understand that their relationship is with God and to have a right heart with God, not in front of us and not with us. Yeah, great. So we, we should... 
uh, draw this to a close now. And I think probably where you said at the end is probably where this question goes, kind of how do we relate this to our lives? And, you know, how, how can we apply this tomorrow and for the rest of this week? I think one of the most important uh, verses at the end of that passage is verse 11. So Dan, if you would read verse 11. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So here's the thing. God is inviting us uh, to a love relationship. Okay. And the love relationship can never really survive well and can never go further unless it is built on the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is what will keep love going in the right direction. And the lack of, of respect and reverence to who God is and therefore how to approach him, to who God is and therefore how to even appreciate more and more his, his love to us, his grace, his mercy, okay? If I, if I don't get that, I will start doing stupid things. You know, like uh, a husband and wife. Oh, she loves me. When you're so used to her love to you and, and you don't respect her enough to take care of her fully, okay? Because she loves you. You will do stupid things. You will start lusting. You will start looking around and you will fall. You see? And there will be betrayal. Though you love her, yes, but you didn't do the other part. That you feared for the health of that relationship and how it should stay pure. You know, when, when it says in the Bible, the bed must be pure. Okay, that I will keep that pure. I will keep that holy. I will consecrate myself to her. I will sacrifice myself for her. Okay. And the same in terms of, you know, wife towards her husband. Okay. The idea is love is built. If you think love is a train. Okay. Love is a train that can go really far you know, and do great things if it's on a track. A train does not work without a track. And your track and my track is the fear of the Lord. The holiness that without it no one will see will behold the Lord. Okay? And this is how to apply it, I would say, in, in today's life. Our, our journey is not just with each other. I'm not here to look holy or wise, or, or amazing, or cool, or uh, impressive, or anything uh, to your eyes. I couldn't care less, to be honest. Okay? I am here to worship God, and, and to love you in that worship of God. Okay? It's because that I fear the Lord, and that I respect Him, I respect you. Because I know you are created in God's image. Thank you.
okay that's great, thank you, Magdi. And it's, it's telling, isn't it, that in this passage we see the fear of the Lord being mentioned twice. And actually, I think it's in Deuteronomy 6, God says to the people of Israel, fear the Lord and serve only him. And I yes. think that's a great place to end, isn't it? That as we, as we come to respond to what God has said this morning, that we, that we place our, our eyes, our focus on the Lord to fear him and to serve only only him and to rededicate ourselves to to listening to him to obeying him to going where he wants us to and to worshiping him so we're going to sing a song now and this is our response to to the lord um, as a way of just again bowing our knee before him and saying lord have your way so let's sing this song together and worship him and him alone <laughs>